welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Uh, If you're here in the house, um, here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody, just together on the count of three, say heaven, one, two, three. Great. If you're joining us online, type in the chat, type heaven. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to look at the person next to you, uh, look at them, and I want you to say hell. Okay. Now, say, you cuss in church, all right? This, uh, this sermon's for you, and I'm praying for you, all right? That's, uh, that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Hey, uh, we, <laughs> we are kicking off this brand new series today called Heaven and Hell, answering questions about eternity. And we all have questions about heaven. We have questions about eternity. We have questions about the H-E double hockey stick, right? Um, all of those places. In fact, if you, if you jump on Amazon uh, you, and you type in the word eternity and look in books, you will find over 10,000 books that you could get on the topic of eternity, okay? And so uh, there are a lot of books out there uh, on the topic of eternity, but there is only one book that contains truth about eternity, right? And so over the next six weeks, we're going to answer from the Bible six questions. And the following questions are this. Next week, in week two, we're going to answer the question, what will the new heavens and the new earth be like? Then on week three, we're going to ask, how does heaven influence my life today? Week four, we're going to ask the question, what is hell and the final, judge, final, final judgment? Uh, week five, uh, are there eternal rewards for believers? And if so, what are they? And then week six, we're going to land on what is genuine belief? Because that is what all of this hinges on, is genuine faith, genuine belief. But today, we're kicking off this series asking the question, what happens when I die? And so this is probably the most personal question that any one of us can ask, because each one of us, we will face death in our life in some way or another, right? Uh, Someone close to us will, will pass on, someone we care about, somebody we love will hear about that. But then also every single one of us, one day, we are going to face death in our own lives as well. And, and, it, and death troubles us. Right? It actually troubles us, partly because death is confusing, partly because death, like it just carries this sense of unknown. And so behind that, it's, it's scary. We're afraid. Some of us are even deeply terrified about death when we think about that. One person actually shared, she said, what scares me isn't so much how I'm going to die. It's more the fear of what will happen afterward. Will I go to heaven? Will I be reincarnated? Will my spirit die with my body? I actually start feeling sick when I think about that last question. Will my spirit die with my body? My heart pounds and I can actually feel the blood pumping through my veins. I think that most of the fear that you and I face when we think about death comes from simply not knowing. We don't know. We don't understand. We can't, get our, we can't get our minds around that thing. But my question is this, is what if we could know more about death? What if we could pull back the curtain a little bit 
to try to understand uh, what is going on with death, could, would that potentially clear up confusion that we have? Would that begin to subside the fear that we're wrestling with? Could it take away the terror that's overwhelming us? And the answer is yes. Quite frankly, the answer is yes. And so today I want to show you three truths about what happens when a Christian dies and why that's important for you and I to understand. And then I want to share with you two steps that you can take today that will actually help you conquer your fear about death. So as Shay mentioned, we're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 22. We're actually doing, uh, rather than uh, kind of hanging out in one verse and staying there all morning, we're doing what's referred to as called systematic theology. And so what that is, is we're actually going to look at multiple passages throughout the Bible. So be ready to go to a lot of places. And we're going to see what do all of these passages have to say to answer the question, what happens when I die? So just be ready to, to be bop around in the, in the Bible in some different places. So um, you guys ready to go? Okay, let's make her happen. So um, before I share these three truths about what happens when a Christian dies, I want to share three myths about what happens when a Christian dies. And I don't have time to explain all of them and why they're myths, so I'm just going to give you the blanket statement that these three myths... They're just not in the Bible, okay? So uh, that's going to be our basis for that. If you have other questions uh, about that and you want to find out a little bit more, um, you know, uh, find Pastor Matt. He'd love to answer those questions for you, and uh, yeah, that'll be great. So, uh, so here's the first myth that I want to put out there, and it's this, is that um, when, Christians, when Christians die, uh, we do not turn into angels, okay? So, so that's a myth. We're changed, but we're, we're not turned into angels. Uh, the second myth that I would put out there is that there, there's no such thing as like a soul sleep where you die and you're just in the ground and you're waiting you know, asleep and for the resurrection to take place or you're just lying in the ground until it happens. Also, there's no purgatory that's tied in with that as well, um, right? Like you die, that's, that's just it, it's over. And then the last myth is this, uh, we will not be spirits floating around you know, the ethereal, um, you know, passing through things, bothering people, those types of things, right? So uh, you, you can't find any of these myths in the Bible. In fact, what you have to do is you have to go outside of the Bible to find uh, some of these, uh, these myths and uh, passages that support these myths. Um, or people are like, they're trying to be helpful and they fill in gaps where the Bible just doesn't talk about those things. Um, but nonetheless, they're just, uh, they're not what the scripture says. And so those are three myths. And some of you guys are going, I didn't even know those were things, right? I didn't know I need to be worried about that. So what you can do is just disregard the last two minutes uh, like it never happened and continue living your life fine. Um, but what I want to jump into now are the three truths from Scripture about what happens when a Christian dies. And here's the first one. When a Christian dies, I will be alive. In fact, I may be more alive than I've ever been. Uh, in my entire existence. So, so this truth comes out of Matthew 22. So many of you are already there. And let me set the scene just very briefly. Jesus was talking with a group of religious leaders known as the Sadducees uh, in this passage. And, and there's two things that you have to know about the Sadducees that are very, very important. The first one is this. The Sadducees only affirm that the first five books of the Old Testament are actually from God. Okay, so it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Everything after Deuteronomy, right? Joshua to Malachi, that's not from the Lord. It may have some historical accuracy or things like that, but the only words that are true and are from God are Genesis, 
through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament. That's one thing, you have to know that. The second thing you have to know about the Sadducees is that they did not believe in resurrection. They thought that after you died, you just stopped existing. It's just over, okay? Um, and so I had a friend tell me a long time ago, you know, that's, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're called the Sadducees, because they're sad, you see? And I was like... <laughs> I punched her and then went and asked for forgiveness. Um, no, <laughs> I didn't punch her. Um, but you have to know those two things. It's very, very important. And so what happens in, in Matthew chapter 22, towards the end of 22, the Sadducees ask this totally ridiculous question about resurrection and marriage. Who don't believe in the resurrection, Okay. What they're doing, so the question is irrelevant because they're just trying to trap Jesus, right? They're trying to get him in trouble with the people, with the religious leaders, with the, the Roman leaders. But what, so I'm not going to dive into that whole question, but I do want to dive into the truth bomb that Jesus drops right in their lap. And that's Matthew 22, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said this. He says, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so what Jesus is saying to the Sadducees, he goes, you are mistaken about resurrection. Resurrection is real. We do live after we die because God is God of the living. He is not God of the dead. Now, if you're looking at verse 32, and maybe you got like a study Bible or something, and you're also near a lamp so you can see it, uh, you, there you might have, a, does anybody have like a cross-reference for an Old Testament verse tied to verse 32? You might, is it Exodus? It is. Exodus chapter 3? There you go. I got that one too. Uh, you also might have verses 15 and 16. And so what Jesus is doing, verse 32 in Matthew 22 is a direct quote of God speaking to Moses, right? Saying that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus uses that to prove that resurrection is real. By the way, what number of book is Exodus in the Old Testament? The second, Jesus uses the scripture that the Sadducees affirm to prove that life after death is real. If you look in Matthew 22, verse 33, the very next verse, you'll see what happens to the crowd as they hear Jesus make this explanation from Exodus 3. They were astonished. They were amazed at his teaching that he could use their very passages that they affirmed to explain resurrection. And so the point is, is that God is God of the living. He's not God of the dead. And there will be a resurrection. There will be life after death. By the way, this is exactly why you and I must be saved from our sins. Because in our sins and our trespasses, we are dead. And God is not God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And so we have to be made alive through faith in Jesus Christ now. And we can trust that God will, bring, will continue us into life, into eternity as well. And so when you die as a Christ follower, you will be alive. Here's the second truth, that when I die, I will be with Jesus in heaven. 
Look at John chapter 14. I said we're going to be flipping over, so that's in the New Testament as well. But John chapter 14, what had happened just before that is Jesus had just shared some troubling news with his disciples. He says, listen, I'm going to die. All of you are going to abandon me. You're going to betray me, right? And Peter's like, no, I never will. And Jesus goes, yeah, three times before the alarm clock goes off this morning. All right, you're going to, you know, you're going to dis- uh, disown me, right? And so all the disciples, they're freaking out, right? They're troubled, they're bothered, and Jesus comforts them with hope about the future. And he says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus promised them, he said, listen, I'm going to go to heaven ahead of you. By the way, that's what the Father's house Jesus is referring to. He's talking about heaven. He said, I'm going to go to heaven ahead of you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And why is Jesus planning to prepare a place for his disciples? He tells them, because I want you to be where I am. I want you to be with me. You have to understand this truth very, very clearly. This is very, very important. Heaven is being where Jesus is. Heaven is being where Jesus is. After I became a Christian, um, and I started to learn a little bit about heaven, because I didn't know anything before I came to faith, and uh, I started to learn about heaven, I got very excited about all the amenities of heaven, right, that are there. It's like streets of gold and brand new houses and walls of like, you know, jasper and diamond. I don't know anything about those, but they sound like they're worth something. And so, you know, and like a new city and a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be free from chaos and it's going to be free from sin. And so I was so, so excited about all the amenities that's going to be there in heaven. And I thought how great it's going to be when one day, and I'm in heaven, I'll be able to do whatever I want for forever, right? And then one day I had a mentor who we were just, I don't know how we got on the subject, but I'll never forget. He asked me this question. He said, Fritz, let me ask you this question. He said, if you could have all the stuff of heaven and God not be there, would you still want to go? Fritz, if you could have all the stuff of heaven and God not be there, would you still want to go to heaven. That's when I realized the real gift isn't the place of heaven, but the real gift is the person of heaven. It's Jesus. The real gift is being with Jesus. All the other stuff, that's just on top of it, right? And so like, I'm, I'm thinking now, it's like, when, when I get to heaven, listen, I hope I get to see all of you there, right? But quite frankly, the person I want to see the most is Jesus. Like, I want to I see Jesus. I want to hang out with Jesus. I want to sit, I want to play racquetball with Jesus, right? Like, I just, I want to be with him and learn from him and sit in his feet and tell him how wonderful that I think he is and how grateful I am that he would, t- would take on my sin so that I could be with him. I just want to be with him. And that's heaven. That's the gift of heaven. It's being with Jesus. And when a Christian dies, you will be with Jesus. The third truth is this, is that when I die, I will receive a new body. 
I'll receive a new body. So we're going to be in two places. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And we won't have time to really read through these passages, but I want you to be able to reference them and then check them out a little bit later. And so 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. The other passage we'll jump to is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 55. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 55. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that our earthly bodies are like tents. And if you've ever been tent camping, you know this is not where you want to set up where you get your mail and your primary place of residency, right? Don't be building foundations underneath your tent. They are temporary, right? They're there to hang out, make yourself miserable for about three days, and appreciate why you have a home, uh, right? And so And so what Paul is saying there, he's saying, listen, our bodies are temporary, and when I die, I'm going to receive a new building from God that's eternal. And so Paul was saying that when Christians die, we're going to receive a new resurrection body. And he says, here's how you can know that you're going to receive a new resurrection body in heaven, because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. He is a down payment. He is a guarantee that if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you will have a new resurrection body. You will be brought into heaven with the Lord, right? So then the question that gets begged very naturally from that, if I get a new resurrection body, what does that new resurrection body look like? What's it like? Well, for that, you do have to jump over to 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul walks us through what these new resurrection bodies will be like. And he said, our new bodies are actually going to be born out of the death of our old bodies. He says, it's kind of like when you plant a, a, a seed of wheat into the ground and the kernel breaks open, right? It dies and new life springs out of that. He says, it's kind of like that, right? And so, When he says that, he says, when your earthly body dies, you're going to get a new resurrection body, and that this new body is different from your old body, but it's also similar in a couple of ways. And so it's new, but it's similar. And and I think one of the best ways to maybe understand what Paul is talking about is to actually look at Jesus' resurrection to help us understand what our resurrection is going to be like and going to look like. And so there's a couple places in Scripture. One is Luke chapter 24. Another one is John verses or chapter 20 uh, through 21. But Luke 24 is a great place uh, to be at to learn a little bit more. But when you look in places like Luke 24 or John 20 and 21, you find out that Jesus' resurrection body was physical. Right? It, was, it was real. It, right, it seemed to have flesh and bones. Right? Jesus could hold objects, and he could eat with the disciples. Right? So this was a real body. So he wasn't you know, just like this spirit that's kind of like floating around and, and just bebopping to different places, but this is a real body that he has. And so our resurrection bodies will be physical as well. But Jesus' body was also supernatural. Okay, And so at times... He almost seemed to appear out of nowhere, right? You've probably read some of the stories in the Gospels where all the disciples are locked into a room, nobody can get in, nobody can get out, and all of a sudden it's like, Jesus is there, right? And I imagine Thomas, ah, 
And, and so he, he shows up, and they're like, how did you get in here? And so we don't know. You know, is Jesus like a master locksmith, and he was able to break in? Does, was his, somehow his supernatural body able to like, have him just appear in that moment? We, we don't know. But we know that his body is also supernatural, and his presence overwhelmed people at times. Because this is a body that has victory over death. This is a body that has victory over sin, and it overwhelmed people. And actually, it was so amazing and glorious, some people didn't even recognize Jesus while he was with them. There's an account of two disciples walking with Jesus for miles, and they don't even realize that it's him until the very, very end when they have, they, they share a meal together, and all of a sudden, they go, oh, it's Jesus. And then he's like, gone, right? And they don't know where he went. And so Jesus' resurrection body was different but it was similar. The last thing that I think I would mention about our resurrection bodies that you get from uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is this, is that our resurrection bodies will never die. These tents are temporary. These tents, right, these bodies do fail. These bodies do die, but our new resurrection bodies will never die. Paul says that they're glorious. He says that they're powerful. He says that they're spiritual, not that we're spirits, but he says that they're spiritual and they're from heaven, right? He's like talking all about like our new bodies are going to be absolutely amazing. So I want you to do yourself a favor. Look down at your body and tell it we're getting an upgrade, right? Like, it's coming, baby. It is coming. All right. So if you're a Christian, when you die, you will receive a new body. In fact, listen, you have to receive a new body when you die because scripture tells us that flesh and blood and corruption, right? Sinfulness actually cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so just like our lives have to be made new through faith in Christ, our bodies have to be made new so that we can live with God forever. So, when a Christian dies, you'll be alive, maybe truly alive for the first time ever. You will be with Jesus, and you're going to get a new resurrection body. Now, what's the timeline on all that? I can't tell you. Pastor Matt would love to talk to you about that. But what I would say is this. What I think one of my favorite questions to go to now and to ask about this is to say, why is this important for us to know? Why should we know this? Because I think what happens uh, too much in churches is, uh, is Christians will learn new thoughts that they didn't know before from the Bible about something and go, cool, and then just go right on living their life uh, as they did before with now new information that they can impress their friends with at dinner parties and things along those lines. But instead, what I want you to do is I want you to understand this truth, and I do want you to go, cool, and then I want you to go, how does this transform my life today? How do I get changed by God because of this truth? And I think there's two reasons why we should want to know this truth today. And the first one is this. We've already talked about it, but it's that we're troubled by death, right? It confuses us. It scares us. It even terrifies us. I remember before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you know, uh, I came to faith about 16, 17 years old. And before that, when I was a kid, I thought a lot about death, probably an abnormally amount of time thinking about death. But I, and I was afraid. I was scared. I can remember waking up like 10 years old and just being very overwhelmed with my own death, like one day I'm going to die, and being so fearful of that, and simply either in my mind or saying out loud, just repeating the phrase, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. 
I was just overwhelmed by my own death. Even after I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I was still afraid of death because I didn't know what the Bible said about death. I didn't know what the Bible said about heaven or hell or eternity, right? It was only after I started reading the Bible that God began to take away my fear about death because I started to understand what he had to say about death. And over the last 25 years, I've just sensed my fear of death decreasing, 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 so much so last week, uh, I was driving with my 12-year-old son, Levi, and we were talking in the car, and uh, he had gone to our Bluffton teaching team, and we were kind of talking about some of this stuff, and uh, we got on the conversation of heaven and eternity, and I remember him asking me from the back seat, he said, because we always put our kids in the back seat, right? We don't let them sit up front because they're not big enough yet. I'm talking to a former sheriff over here. Um, And so... (laughs) uh, Um, Yeah, so, um, but he's in the back seat, and he says, Dad, so, like, are you afraid to die? And I I told him, I said, Levi, no. I said, I'm not. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going looking for it, like, tomorrow or anything like that. But I'm also not afraid of it because I know what God has waiting for me. And the more that you understand about who God is and you understand the truth of Scripture, it actually begins to pull away your fear and, and what actually, there's, a, there's actually this transition. Some of you guys, you're not, even gonna get it, you're not even gonna get it when I say this. You actually move from a place of being afraid of death that you begin to approach death with joy. Because you know what's coming next, right? And so understanding about death actually, and, and in fact, the Bible talks about that. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 2 talks about this very thing about death and joy in relation to Jesus. So let's just, let's actually read this passage out loud, beginning with Jesus the pioneer. Are you ready? Go. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand. Okay, so I want you to see something here. Jesus knew that he was going to die. Jesus knew that he was going to endure the cross. And what was set before him that led him through that time? Joy. It's the joy. The joy of knowing what was still to come. What was on the other side of that? Because of the joy awaiting him in heaven. Jesus thought about spending eternity with you. And he endured the cross and he endured a shame, and he walked through death, carrying the full wrath of God on himself. Wrath that you deserve, wrath that I deserve, punishment that we had built up, death that we had increased and gained on our own. Jesus walked through all of that because of the joy that was still to come. He was willing to die. And so in the same way, we can approach death without fear because of the joy awaiting us in heaven, being with Jesus, Right? It actually begins to take that away. One other reason why I think it's important for us to understand this is it actually changes the way that we grieve the death of other believers. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, right? Paul writes this, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. What he's saying is that when a Christian dies, because we know they're alive, because we know they're with Jesus, because we know they're going to receive a resurrection body, we grieve differently for them. We don't grieve their loss. We don't grieve their loss. What have they lost? Nothing. 
They, they, they've gained everything, right? And so we don't grieve their loss. In fact, we celebrate, right? Because they're more alive than ever. They're with Jesus. They have their new resurrection body. And so if we're going to grieve anything, what we should be grieving is ourselves, that we're still here, right? We got to deal with each other. Uh, and, and so grieving that. But also, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should go to a funeral of a Christian and be like high-fiving each other. Man, isn't great? He's gone, uh, right? I don't, I don't think you should do that. But I think what we can do is what we can grieve is that we're going to miss them. We miss the joy they brought into our lives, the meaning that they brought to us. We're going to miss being able to experience some moments here in this life that we were hoping to be able to experience with them. We can grieve those types of things. And at the exact same time, we can celebrate knowing that there is an eternity of experiences with them in the presence of Christ that will absolutely never end. And so what that does is cause us not to grieve like those who die without the hope of Jesus Christ. Do you see what Paul is saying? What he's helping us to understand? And so in Christ, death doesn't trouble us like it does those who are not in Christ. And so then the question becomes, what are we going to do with this? I think the first thing that we can do with this is this. Learn everything you can about what the Bible has to say about life, death, and eternity. I want to say that again, and I want to emphasize the right thing. Learn everything you can that the Bible has to say about life, death, and eternity. We already saw there are tens and thousands of books, podcasts, articles with people's opinions on what they think about life, death, and eternity. We have the one book that shares the truth. And the way that you beat the trouble of death is by discovering the truth of Scripture. And the Bible is truth. And I'm going to tell you a secret about your Bible. You, you may not know this, but if you have a study Bible, in the back of that, you probably have a section called the topical index, or, or at the very least, a concordance. It's back there with the maps that you never use, right? And so if you go back there, there's this, you'll find this topical index. And I would encourage you, find the word heaven, right? Because it's an alphabetical order, it'll be with H's. So you're going to find the word heaven and look at all of the passages that use the word heaven and just go read them. Go read around it and try to understand what is God saying. Meditate on the truth of this. And you know what else you could do? You could actually invite a friend to talk with you about this. I read this. I have questions. What do you think? What have you heard? What, is, what other Bible passages have you come across that talk about this? So again, the way you beat the trouble of death is through the truth of Scripture. That's how you do that. So that's the first thing. Learn everything you can about what the Bible has to say about life, death, and eternity. And here's the second thing you and I can do. Tell others about what you've discovered. Tell others about what you've discovered. Because there are people who are looking for hope. They are wrestling with the same questions you wrestle with. They're afraid of death the way that I was afraid of death. And you have an opportunity to bring hope. And somewhere along the way, I'm not quite sure when it happened, uh, but I think it happened in my lifetime. But we Christians have come to this place of understanding that says we're not allowed to talk about our faith or the things that we believe or truth from Scripture unless we get permission from someone else to share that truth with them. And, and, the tr and quite frankly, we don't have to, right? Because I want you to think about this. Who got permission from, from you to tell you their thoughts about like reincarnation 
Who got permission from you to talk to you about their views of sexuality that are wildly different than yours or from the scripture? Like, who got, who got permission from you to call you at 7 o'clock at night during dinner to tell you about a deal that you could get on your cable that if you just bundle it with your phone, you can save over $700 a year. Just put them together. Bundle. Bundle, right? And so nobody, nobody asked you permission for that. They just told you. And so we can simply share truth with the people that we know. Now, what that doesn't mean, please don't interpret that. Say, Fritz says we're allowed to be a jerk and obnoxious to people about, you know, telling about what we believe. That is not what I'm saying. What it does mean, what, you know what I would do? I would do it this way. I would ask my friends questions. I would say, hey, what do you think happens when a person dies? And then let them share, you know? They're like, man, I... Uh, I don't know, I think, we, I think our lives just end. Or, you know, I, I hope I get you know, reincarnated as somebody cooler. Uh, you know, so, some, you know and, and just let them share. And, and then in that opportunity, it's like, hey, you know, I was reading the Bible. You know what the Bible says about that? It says this. And then you can let the Holy Spirit use his truth to draw people to himself, right? And have those conversations. Think about this. You could be the person that gets to spread hope with people, who are wrestling with deep, deep things in their minds and in their spirits. I would encourage you, refuse to live unaware of what the Bible has to say about life and death and eternity. Because the more you understand, the more God can actually use you in the lives of other people as well. So to help you get a jump start, we've actually created a six-day Bible reading plan called uh, What Happens When I Die? And so if you want to read, it's just passages from Scripture that you can read over the next six days. If you want to receive that Bible reading plan, just mark that on the back of your blue connection card that Shay and Pastor Matt were talking about earlier today. And tomorrow morning, if you make sure your email address is on there, I will email you that Bible reading plan, and you can start reading and learning what the Bible has to say. If you're joining online, fill out the online connection card, mark that. We will email that to you as well. But I think this will be a good way to get a jump start on, on what God has to say about what happens when I die. And here's another thing. You know what you might do? You actually might send, when you get that Bible reading plan, you might forward that on to someone else who you know is kind of wrestling with some stuff or you think they would benefit from exploring what God has to say about these types of things. I mean, what, what could God do through that simple invitation in someone else's life? And, and I, listen, I get it. Death is a heavy topic to work through and to wrestle through. And not very many people want to talk about it. Um, But I want to tell you this. Even though we're uncomfortable with the topic of death, you need to know that God cares deeply about this. In fact, Psalm chapter 116, verse 15 says this. It says that the Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. In fact, he cares so deeply that if you're in Christ and you die, you now are more alive than you've ever been in your entire life. He cares so deeply that if you're a Christian, when you die, you will be with him. He cares so deeply that when you die and if you're a Christian, he gives you a new body to be with him forever. You and I don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be confused by it. We don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We don't have to be consumed by it. We don't have to be terrified by it because God has given us hope and he's given us hope through Jesus Christ. And so what happens when a Christian dies? Life gets 
really, really good. That's what happens. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now through this message? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. God, we're grateful that you are so kind to us. You you have blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. Some aspects we literally don't even know yet. And you're going to unveil them to us when we're with you in your presence. And I just imagine that, that every day, if we can even measure time without you know, time and eternity and what all that looks like, but we're going to be constantly wowed with how incredible you are. And I thank you that you have revealed yourself so clearly through the scriptures now. We thank you that Jesus has died once to bring us to where you are. We praise you for that. And Lord, I know that there are friends and family in this room right now who are wrestling with things. And you've given us the amazing gift of prayer to be able to comfort one another, to walk with one another, to point each other to hope in Jesus Christ. And so I want to let you know this. One of the things we love to do at Lighthouse is to pray for one another. So what's going to happen is the band's going to play one more song and we're going to worship together through that. But also what's going to happen is we're going to have prayer leaders, one in each corner of the room, available to pray with you about anything at all in your life. I'm actually asked those leaders if they'll start moving to those corners now so that people know that you're ready to pray with them. So go ahead and start heading to those corners so we know where you're at. And if you have anything at all that you want to pray about, we're, we're ready to do that, right? And you don't ever have to be embarrassed to want, to want to receive prayer. Like, we all need prayer. Like, I need prayer, right? Jenny needs prayer. Like, every single one of us, we need prayer. And so we would love, love, love to be able to pray for you this morning. And so let me pray for you. I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. If you're here in the house joining us right now, I'm going to ask you to stand as we prepare to worship Jesus Christ. And let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.